through our lesson, our message today. And first of all, I want to recognize an individual uh, that's worked very diligently uh, here in our church over the past uh, couple of years with the men of our church. Brother Paul Boyer, if you will, please come on up. Yesterday, um, we had a, a team, uh, an army of guys from Victory Church uh, go over to the uh, Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. And we had 23 men uh, representing Victory Church, part of our men's ministry there. And Paul is the one that, that spearheads that and leads that and, and kind of uh, puts the energy behind the men's ministry. And yesterday, Paul was awarded something and recognized in front of 400 men at Faith Family Church. And I want to read to you a beautiful, heavy stone uh, marble plaque that, that they gave him from Iron Sharpens Iron. It says, Presented to Victory Baptist Church in Muscoota, Illinois, recipient of the, get this, Outstanding Men's Ministry Award at the 2008 Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference. That's an, that's an awesome award. Thank you, Brother Paul, for all that you do for our men's ministry. And matter of fact, if you're one of those 23 guys that went yesterday, will you stand up? The two of us went, as well as those that will stand. If you were part of that, uh, it was an awesome, awesome conference. And let's give these men a hand for taking time out of their schedule to go. Great job, and congratulations, Paul. And we will proudly display this in our offices once we get that done, and we'll put that up there. And so thank you very much for what you do in our men's ministry. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. We've got a few other announcements that I want to share. Give a congratulations to Brittany. Where's Brittany Durbin? Where is she? Brittany, is she here? Oh, they left. They were here for the Sunday school, but she competed with the varsity cheerleading uh, squad of Muscuda yesterday or this past weekend, and they finished third in the state, and that's a pretty big accomplishment for them. So let's give Brittany a hand, and you be sure to encourage her and... Tell her about that when you see her next time, okay? Also, I've got one other thing that I want to do. Many of you have asked about the last Bible church or the Bible knowledge survey that, that we gave out. And many of you have asked for another one. So I've got our guys in place, and they're going to be giving out another survey today. And, and uh, I'm going to give you a couple minutes once again uh, to take a Bible knowledge survey. And it's got about 20 questions on there. Do not put your name on these. We don't want to know who knows and who doesn't. So do not put your name on here. But take a couple minutes and go over this and uh, and fill this out and see. Now, the last one we gave was very, very basic. We upped this one a little bit, okay? It's going to be a little bit more challenging than the last one that we put out. So we're going to take a minute and have this Bible knowledge survey. I want you to do it right now because we're going to take them right back up here in just a moment. For those that want to know the results of the last survey, you can go out in the foyer and on one of the ministry tables there, it's posted the, the questions and the answers and the percentage of our congregation that got that answer correct. And you can see that out in the foyer. Also, if you want to see the answers to these questions and the percentage of those that get them correct, you can go to my blog page at johncannon.org, www.johncannonoh.org, and you'll see the survey there. You'll see the, the answers to the questions there. And then as soon as we tally the percentage, I'll post that on there as well. And uh, you can check that out online at johncannon.org. So you can go there and check it out. Okay, let's give you a couple minutes here. Fill out this Bible knowledge survey. See how well you know the Bible. And uh, then we'll, uh, we'll continue on, okay? 
I study better and do better with a little bit of music. So I'm going to ask my maestros back there to put us on a little bit of music just to kind of kill the the quietness. And uh, you go over this. All right, it's good to get in the Word and and discover all these different stories that are there and the biblical principles that's behind each one. And so we're going to take these and uh, we're saving all of these. And and Elder and I had talked about, and even Paul had talked about trying to do a small group study around some of these um, some of these questions. And so we're going to try to write a couple studies on that and get it out to our small groups. And you can study some of these stories and what the Christian principles and meaning behind them really are. And uh, that'll help you in your faith, okay? All right, if you will, take out your sermon notes this morning, and we're going to um, to launch right into that. And if you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians, chapter 4, and verse number 1. <clears throat> and let's pray together. Father, Lord, once again, we, we are so honored just to be in your presence today. And uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, for a place where we can come and worship And um, to be able to meet in this school gym is a blessing from you. And Father, we thank you for that. And I pray now you'd open up our hearts and our minds and help us to focus on you for the next little while. And I pray that that the Word of God, uh, the Spirit of God, will take the Word of God and make us all more like the Son of God and conform us into your image and mold us. And I pray that uh, the great vine keeper, you yourself, the, the gardener, the great gardener, would come and just... Purge away some of the old branches that are there that's keeping us from being becoming fruitful. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we have declared, actually the very first Sunday of January, we declared a congregational fast. And in this congregational fast, as we've been fasting every Wednesday at lunch, and we're going to continue that through the end of February. And so the very last week of February, we're going to just call that off for a while. And if you want to continue, you do whatever you feel like the Lord is leading you to do. But as a congregation, as a whole, we want to continue through the end of February. But in this congregational fast, what we've been doing is asking for the favor of God on our lives, on our families on our ministry, on Victory Church, and all that we're trying to do in our whole relocation process of selling our building and moving into new offices and trying to buy land and eventually build a new facility and a new church. We need God's favor on our life as we do that. Would you agree? So we've been asking for God's favor. Now, we got to understand something. As we ask for God's favor... And as God gives us his favor and his blessings, it's going to require something of us. And what is it going to require of us? Well, that's what the title of this series is. It's going to require that we walk now in the favor of the Lord. And I really felt impressed to put this little sub-series under the big series asking for God's favor, I felt like I needed to spend a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, today and two more Sundays, talking about walking in the favor of God and what that really means. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, if you have your Bibles or your sermon notes, you can follow along with us there. This is what Paul was encouraging the believers at Ephesus, the Christian at Ephesus, to do. And look what he says in verse number 1. He said, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. 
this morning in the Bible class, we were talking about how some of the responsibilities that we have and the accountability that we have really one to another as professing Christians and members of Victory Church and how we are responsible for walking the walk that we are talking. You see, it's not just enough to to say that we're a Christian. But it's important that we live that out on a daily basis. It's it's who we are. It's how we act and how we react. It, it, it involves the decisions that we make on a daily basis. And if we're going to ask for God's favor, then we've got to walk in the favor of the Lord or he will remove his favor from us. Would you agree with that? Sure. Paul is saying to the believers at Ephesus, he's saying walk worthy. Walk worthy. Of the calling that you have received. I believe in the King James Version. It says walk worthy of the vocation. And you know a lot of times we think that that the Christian life is a vacation. We take that word and we take out the O. And we put in an A and we say oh it's a vacation now. We can eat sleep and be merry. And we're just going to you know we use we use uh, our salvation as a fire escape. And we're going to heaven so let's just sit back. and No there is some responsibilities. That we are to live up to in our Christian walk. So I want to spend a little brief moment talking about how we are to walk in the favor of the Lord. Now, I've got far more material than I'm going to be able to preach in this little session, okay? I mean, you look at the notes there and you look at all the scripture and I could preach a message on every seven point and really drag this thing out to almost a seven hour lecture, okay? I will not do that, okay? Everybody say amen. Whew, he's not going to do it. I'm just going to hit them. And I'm going to give you the privilege to take that scripture and dissect that and meditate on that. And use that as your devotion this week about these seven different things that we must do. Not just one time. But these seven different things that we must do every day in order to walk in the favor of the Lord. Now, how many would like to have God's favor on your life? Raise your hand. Sure we would. I mean, I want God's favor. I want his favor on me spiritually. I want his favor on me physically. I want his favor on me relationally. I want his favor on me emotionally. I want his favor on me financially. Say amen. Amen. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I believe God wants to bless us more than we really want to be blessed. Or we would start striving to walk in his favor. So in order to walk in the favor of the Lord, there's three different areas that I'm going to park on for the next two Sundays, one today. Three different areas that we need to focus on whenever we think about walking in the favor of the Lord. Today I want to talk about you and your walk in Christ. I want to talk about how we are to walk in Christ Jesus. And how we're to do that on a daily basis. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about your walk in the scripture and how daily we've got to walk in God's word. And then the last Sunday, which will wrap up the entire series, really both of these together, I'm going to talk about your walking in prayer. Many of you are wearing the Pray Without Ceasing t-shirts and thank God for that. And by the way, if you want to order one, today's the last day to put in any special orders. We're going to order this week and get all those in. And by the way, you men that are thinking about going to Promise Keeper, the word I'm hearing is that Paul is saying that you are going to be wearing these prayer prayer shirts to Promise Keepers. Now, many of you bought the long sleeve. And that may be tough in July to wear that shirt, Okay. Or August, whenever Promise Keepers is. So you may want to order some of the short sleeves or go out there and pick some up. But the point is this. 
We need to learn how to walk daily in prayer. We need to learn how, on what it really means to, to pray without ever ceasing. Now these are some just some basic fundamental principles that we must apply to our life on a daily basis if we are going to walk in the favor of the Lord. Let me share them with you real quickly. I just lied. Let me share them with you. Okay? Not sure I can do it quickly, but I'm going to try. Number one, jot this one down. If we are going to walk in Christ, then we must make sure and you must make sure that your belief in Christ is the right kind of belief. That it's the right kind of belief. Now, what do I mean by that? Some people have a misconception of what salvation is all about. Some people have a misconception about what being a Christian is all about. And this is very basic and very fundamental, but it's where it must begin. It begins in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And we've got to make sure that we have the right kind of belief in Him. The Bible says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world this way, that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal love. Now, there's several other verses of Scripture that I have given you, and I'm not going to be able to unpack all of those. But here's what I want you to get. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we've got to be sure that our belief in Him and our salvation in Him is the right kind of belief. In other words, how are we, or how do we become a Christian? Do we become a Christian by being a church member? No. Do we become a Christian by just joining a church and coming to church? No. You see, you walking in the doors of this gym, which on Sunday is transformed into Victory Church, and by you walking into Victory Church, that doesn't any more make you a Christian than you walking into McDonald's turns you into a Big Mac. Maybe there's something sexier we could think about. Maybe we go to the Chevrolet dealership, and that doesn't turn us into a Corvette. Convertible. Red. Those things are beautiful, are they not? You see, the point is, just going to church does not make you a Christian. Matter of fact, just being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. Now, I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. And whenever we had a baptismal service, we would always dam up the creek on Saturday. And Sunday, right after church, we'd all go down to the creek. They'd take the guitars. We would line up the creek bank. We'd walk out into the creek. And we would do our baptisms. And I used to say this. You could be baptized until you know every tadpole by name and still miss heaven. Salvation's not about baptism. Salvation's not about church membership. Salvation's not about good works or a bunch of religious rules and regulations that denominations try to place on you. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It's realizing that you have sinned and that Jesus died on on the cross for our sins. And Isaiah 53 says this. It said that God the Father laid on Him, Jesus the Son, the iniquity or the sins of us all. Past, present, and future. They've all been laid on Jesus. He paid the price for our sins. We realize that. We believe that He was God's Son. That He died on the cross. That He was buried. That He rose again in three days. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. There He's making intercession for you and for me. And we trust in Him. The work of the cross. The marvelous, amazing work of the cross. And it's all what Jesus has done. It's not how much I can do. It's me placing my faith 
in him and in him alone. Whenever I talk about walking in the favor of God and having the right kind of belief, that's what I'm talking about. It's not about a bunch of rules. It's not about a bunch of regulations. It's about a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ and a commitment to that. The second thing I want to cover is this, and there's a lot more I could say about that, but I must continue. Number two, jot this one down. If we're going to walk in the favor of God, and we've been pleading for it and we've been asking for it, and thank you, I've received many, I've received numerous encouraging emails from many of you that are encouraging me during my fasting and, and you're encouraging each other and, and, and you're declaring that you're fasting and you're praying and you're seeking God. And, and I, I don't know, as, as a pastor of our church that's, that's very much concerned about the spiritual oversight of our entire congregation, that blesses my heart whenever I receive something and you're telling me that you're fasting and you're working and you're striving and you're praying and you're seeking God. That's what it's all about. And that's encouraging. But you know something? As we walk in Christ and we receive his favor, we want to keep his favor. And the way we keep his favor is in our daily, keyword daily walk. We must have a right belief in Jesus. But secondly, you must make sure that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're a new person. You're a new person in Jesus. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, or look, new things have come. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this. It says, you took off your former way of life. The old way of life, we've discarded it. We've taken it off. The old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed. In the spirit of your minds, and you put on the new man, one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and impurity of the truth. Here's the thought, the principle behind this. If we're walking in the favor of the Lord, we are walking in that new man or that new woman. We are a new creation in Christ. We are putting off the old practices. We are putting off the old man. We are putting away self. We are denying self. We're dying out to the flesh every single day of our life. And we are a new. Everybody say new. We are a new creation in Jesus. Listen, I thank God I'm not the man I used to be. I know the nasty, vile, wicked man I used to be. And I thank God I'm no longer that man. I'm not all I'm supposed to be. But I'm working. I'm striving. I'm praying. I'm seeking. I'm asking God to convict me. All my personal prayers, I pray God convict me. Show me areas in my life you're not pleased with. Prune me. Make it uncomfortable for me. I don't want to live in the flesh. I don't want to live in the ways of the old man. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if I'm a new creation in Christ, I'm going to put off the works of the flesh. I'm going to put off the old desires. I am not going to be the same man. I'm not going to go to the same places. I'm not going to be involved in the same way. I'm the same things. I'm not going to talk the same way. I mean, there's a new man. Hello? And you make that choice every day. Every single day, you get to make one or two choices. Our bed, and we have a bed with a big headboard, and it's got two posts on each side of it. And and I just visualize all the time, as I walk in that bedroom and I see those two posts, I visualize this. On one post, there's a hat that says new man. 
And on the other post, there's a hat that says old man. And every day I get to choose which cap I'm going to put on. I get to choose if I'm going to walk in the new man today. Or if I want to resort back to the flesh or fall back to the flesh and walk in the old man. And by the way, the, the bad thing is those caps do not always stay on my headboard. They go with me all day long. Matter of fact, it may be like the old, uh, the old investigator private eye cap that had the two bills and, and we wear it and it says new man on the front, but then something happens and we say, hold on just one minute. We step aside and we turn that thing around. We, now we got the old man back on and we're going to deal with something. And, oh God, forgive me. And we walk around and turn back around. And put, Don't live like that. Hello? Matter of fact, the Bible says that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You don't, listen, we are to walk in the newness of life. Our walk should be different. Our talk should be different. Matter of fact, when the world looks at you, you know what they ought to see? The light of Jesus Christ radiating through your life. We ought to be a testimony to the world that we're a Christian. Because we are choosing to walk in the favor of the Lord. And if we're going to walk in the favor of the Lord, we must walk in this new creation that we are. There's far more I could say about that, but I must continue. Number three, jot this down. If we're going to walk in the favor of God, then we must constantly examine our walk in Christ. Every And now I'm talking about daily. Every single day, we must examine ourselves. Every single day, we must evaluate ourselves. Every single day, we must examine our lives. I shared this passage of Scripture in the Bible class this morning, but in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says, Test yourselves if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize for yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? Here's the point. The point is, there needs to be an examination taking place. In our life. And it needs to happen on a daily basis. You see, here's the thought. You need to make sure you're genuine. You need to make sure it's real. You need to be sure you're not putting on a fake mask every day. You need to examine yourself. You need to evaluate your life. Now, notice, I didn't say evaluate your wife, men. Hello? Ladies, I didn't say examine your husband and make sure he's in the faith. Bless God. Hello. You know? You ought to do better if you're a Christian. No, worry about ourselves. Hello? Just worry about ourselves. And examine ourselves daily. And if we are going to walk in the favor of the Lord, that examination process must be taking place on a daily basis. And by the way, we're examining ourselves in contrast to the Word of God. Right? Right? We're studying this and we're reading this and now we're doing a soul searching of our life and we're making sure that our life is lining up with what God is saying in his book and in his word. And and there's that constant daily examination that needs to be taking place. We don't like to do that though, do we? That's kind of uncomfortable. I don't want to see my faults and failures, do you? We don't want to look in there and see places. We don't want anybody to ever tell us we've messed up. You know what that's called? It's called pride. Hello? You you know what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven? It was pride. You know what will destroy your walk with Christ and you walking in the favor of the Lord more than anything else? It's pride. It's pride. We need to humble ourselves. We need to be abased. We need to be broken at the foot of the cross. We need to constantly, every single day, evaluate ourselves. Evaluate our actions. How'd you, how'd you speak to the boss man? Or 
what did you say about the boss man when the boss man wasn't around to another co-worker? That's sin. You can't walk in God's favor and be a gossip and slander and carry on. Hello? No, you can't do that. What are you saying about people when they're not around you? Kind of got off on this in the Sunday school class, but you want to lose God's favor? Then you gossip. You sow discord. You slander. Hello? If we're going to walk in God's favor, we're going to be careful what we say. We're going to be careful what we do. We're going to be careful what we consume. We're going to be careful the appearance that we're giving to a world that doesn't know Christ. Hello? In the Bible class, I said, somebody say, oh me, and nobody said, oh me, which is good. I meant to say, somebody say, amen. So somebody say, amen. Right? We need to examine ourselves. Number four, jot this one down. And I'm talking about things that we need to do every single day to walk in the favor of the Lord as we walk in Christ. You must always walk in Christ, number four, and seek him first and his righteousness. Matthew 6, is a wonderful passage about transferring your, your loyalty and your dependence over to Christ and, and off of self. And it's talking about uh, toiling for things and working for things and worrying about stuff and worrying about where the next paycheck's coming from or how the bill's going to get paid or how food's going to be put on the table. And, and, and the Lord gives us a wonderful promise. He said, if you will seek me first in my righteousness, then all these other things will be taken care of. They'll be given to you. You know what we need to do every single day? We need to seek Him first. Matter of fact, you know what the acronym for joy is? If you want to have joy in your life, you know what it is? It's Jesus, others, and yourself. You see, we need to dethrone self. Hello? We need to quit walking selfishly. And thinking that life is all about me. It isn't. Hello? It's about the Lord. It's about walking in His favor. It's about seeking Him first every single day. And the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Oh, I wonder how often we are so preoccupied with material possessions. We are so preoccupied with stuff that doesn't mean a thing. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And listen, it doesn't matter how new it is, it can still decay that quick. Let me give you a personal illustration. Many of you know we just built a new house. You know what happened to us three days before Christmas? We were out Christmas shopping on a Friday night. The malls are open till what, 10, 11 o'clock. And I get a call from my son. He just got off work at McDonald's and he goes to the house and his, his bedroom's in the basement and, and it's half of it's finished down there. And he goes into the basement and, and he's walking in about that much water. You know what had happened? Our sump pump, for whatever reason, decided it didn't want to pump anymore. Now, it was pumping about every seven, eight minutes it would kick on. But this was the rainy season. It was really, really wet. And it was kicking on about every 45 seconds to a minute pumping water out. And for whatever reason, it just decided it was tired of pumping. We got a call. And I said, my first thing is, you're kidding me, right? Nope, Dad, this basement is flooded. It's standing in water. Baseboards, carpets, everything. Storage, that stuff we had in storage down on the floor. Furniture, you know, everything. Soaking wet. 
that much while. I kid you not. We vacuumed and worked and worked and worked. And this is right before Christmas. And I remember pulling my wife aside and I said, you know what? We get, we get one or two choices here. We can choose to allow this to destroy our Christmas. Or we can choose to, to realize, you know what? This is just stuff. It can be, be replaced. So we just chose to have a good time during Christmas. Just shut the door going to the basement. Just ignore it the best we could. Take care of it. We tore it all up and hauled it all off. And I went and borrowed a trailer and piled that thing full and took it all to the church dumpster and piled that thing full. And there it was. But you know what? It's just stuff. And I said, we're not going to choose to let that ruin our Christmas or ruin our day. It's just, it, it doesn't mean that much. And I've told my wife from the very beginning, ever since we went into ministry full time, you know what? Everything that we have is just stuff. And as far as I'm concerned, it could all be gone tomorrow and I'd still be just as happy as long as I have you. Isn't that sweet? That's that old carpenter song. I got you, babe. (laughs) You know, but I told her, I said, as long as I've got you and as long as we've got our kids, we've got our family, that's all we need. We've got Jesus. Everything else is just minimal stuff. And we need to learn to live like that. We get so consumed in our stuff. And it makes us miserable, guys. We got to have bigger and better. We're just not content with what we have. We got to have this. We got to have that. If the Joneses get this, we got to keep up. I mean, we're buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. We're in bondage. Jesus said, seek me first. You know what you need to do every single day? You need to choose to look up. and Seek him. Walk in his favor. Seek him first. I got to go. Next thing, jot this one down. Number five. To walk in God's favor, you must live a crucified life in Christ. And this is a life of self-denial and sacrifice. Self-denial and sacrifice. Luke 9 and 23, then he said to them all, Jesus said, if anyone comes, comes with me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Daily and follow me. Romans 6 and 6 says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 11 says, So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's the thought. The thought is we got to die to self. We got to crucify this life. Now, you don't just do that once. You got to do that every single day. Paul said, I die daily. He crucified himself every single day. His desires of the flesh, his all of his potential he died out to it let me ask you have you died out to self you know who will rob you of more joy than anybody else in the world self selfish desires selfish ambitions all of those things we got to die out to self and we've got to do that every single day deny yourself take up the cross jesus said and follow me and you know what The cross, you know what the cross is? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. You know what the cross is symbolic of? 
It's symbolic of an instrument of death. And whenever we take up our cross and follow Jesus, it doesn't mean we're taking up the cross of Jesus. We've, we've already knelt at the cross of Jesus, but now we're denying ourselves. We're taking up our cross of death where we've crucified ourselves. We've denied ourselves every single day. And now we're following Jesus with our cross. We're not going our direction, what we want to do. We're seeking Him first and going in His direction. And we're crucifying ourselves every single day. How many would say the biggest battle you have is with yourself? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Self will rise up and, and, and whatever, it'll just rise up and rise up and, and it's just that selfishness that's in us. We gotta die out to that every single day. That's what that cross is. Take up your cross and follow me. It's an instrument of death. It means to die to self every single day. Die to your will. Die, die to your desires. Die to your wants. Die to your ambitions. Death. Crucify self. And it's a crucial fact. In order for us to walk in the favor of the Lord, we've got to die out to self every single day. And number six, get this one. You must be inwardly renewed day by day. Constantly being changed into the image of Christ. You must be inwardly renewed day by day. Continue forward there. Come on, a little forward. I didn't realize you were behind me there. Here we go. You must be inwardly renewed day by day. Constantly being changed. Did everybody get the last one under the slide? I didn't realize the slide wasn't up there. Did everybody get the last one? Crucified life, self-denial, sacrifice. Did you get that? I want you to get that. Number six. Be inwardly renewed day by day, constantly being changed into the image of Christ. Inwardly renewed. Guys, that's why it's important that we have our daily devotions and our prayer time daily, our quiet time daily, our time that we're getting into God's word daily. We must be inwardly renewed every single day in order to walk in God's favor. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, let me read this for you real quickly. Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary lot of affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, walking with Christ is a day-by-day affair. And we need to be seeking to be inwardly renewed. You see, I I promise you this. If you're not being renewed inwardly day-by-day, if you're not being renewed inwardly day-by-day, then I promise you this. The time's going to come when you get burnt out. The time's going to come when you get defeated. The time's going to come when you want to give up. The time's going to come when you're going to think, you know what? Going to church is not that important anymore. The time's going to come when you're going to think, you know what? My small group's not that important. The time's going to come when you'll start walking away from Christ. You'll lose your fire. You'll lose your zeal. You'll lose your enthusiasm. You'll lose your joy. Matter of fact, you'd be like the church, I believe it was at Thyatira, who had lost their or, or the, the church that had lost their first love. 
had fallen away from the You remember how it was when you first met Jesus, when you first got saved, when you first gave your life to Christ, and how excited you were? I'm under the impression you don't ever have to lose that. I'm under the impression I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you never have to lose that. You don't have to lose it spiritually, and let's apply it to our marriages. You remember that? And yesterday at the men's conference, they were talking about that young love. You remember, you remember guys, how you couldn't wait to get off work so you could call your wife-to-be, your girlfriend? You, you remember how, man, you, you just spent hours on the phone talking? Ladies, you remember that, don't you? Somebody help me here. You remember how you were excited to just do anything with your wife-to-be prior to marriage? I think it's sad that husbands go to work every day and as soon as work is over, they're looking for somewhere else to go besides home because they just don't really have that joy and that love and that enthusiasm to get home and see their bride. I told Mike yesterday, I said, Mike, I enjoy hanging out with you and I enjoy being around these guys, but I'm looking forward to going home and seeing my baby. Didn't I tell you that yesterday? I look forward to going home. Hello? You don't have to lose that first love, guys. Because love is a choice. Hello? Are you with me? You get to choose to love your wife. You say, well, I've fallen out of love. No, you haven't. You've chosen not to love her anymore. And you've chosen to replace it with something else, whether it be your career, whether it be your success, whether it be finances, money, you've just chosen to replace it with something else. We need to get back to our first love, spiritually speaking. We need to get back to being excited about the Lord and excited about God's work. And if we're not spiritually renewing ourselves day by day, then we'll get to the place where it doesn't really matter a whole lot and we'll lose God's favor. Does that make sense? We've got to walk in God's favor. And to do that, we've got to be spiritually renewed every single day. Let me give you the last one and I'll be done. And this one's important. Number seven, you must put on the whole armor of God and be strong in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not going to take time and read the entire passage there that's in Ephesians chapter number six. But there it talks about the, the armor of God. And God's... Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to put that on every single day. Every day. And if we're going to walk in the favor of the Lord, we must put on the armor of God. Every day. We must put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the sandals of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the word of God. We must put all that on every single day. We've got our armor. We've got our sword. We've got our shield. We've got our helmet. But as we put on the armor of God, you know what is not covered? Our back. We don't have any protection for our back. Why is that? It's because a true soldier, the cross, is marching forward. Hello? Hello? When you quit marching forward, when you quit engaging in Christ every single day, you know what happens? You're turning your back on the enemy 
Because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. There is no standing still in one place. And whenever we turn our backs on the enemy, you're going to be taken out. Guys, we can't do that. And we can't stand and face the enemy without the armor. We are no match for the devil. We've got to have the Lord. And he's given us that armor that we've got to put on every single day. So you know what I want to encourage you to do? I want you, I want to encourage you to take that passage of scripture that's in your notes. And I want you every single morning, I want you to think about that. And maybe just pray over each piece of armor that you're putting on. You can do that in about 15 seconds. You say, God, help me to put on this helmet of salvation. Give me the sword of the spirit. Give me the shield of faith. Help me, God, to stand for you today and to live for you today. I'm putting on my armor. I'm putting on my feet, my sandals that are shod with the gospel of peace. I'm going to choose today to be a peacemaker. Hello? Again, make that choice every day. So let me ask you a question. Are you walking in the favor of the Lord? If we're going to ask for God's favor, and if he's going to give his favor, it's going to require us to do a few things. And these are seven that I just pulled out. There's probably many more if I continue searching and digging and looking for other things, but I think these are pretty important. Things that we must do every single day. So may I ask you, do you have a right belief in Christ? Are you, are you a new creation in Christ? Are you examining your walk in Christ every single day? Are you seeking Christ first every day? Have you crucified yourself? Have you died to self every single day? Are you being inwardly renewed every single day? Are you putting on the whole armor of God every single day? These are some daily things that must happen in your life if you're going to walk in God's favor. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I ask you, how is your daily walk? How is your daily walk? First of all, if you're here and you do not, do not know Christ as your Savior, that's where it begins. You must give your life to Christ. Realize that you've sinned. Realize that He loves you. He died for you. He died for you. That's love. Now, guys, I would give my life for my family. I would die for my wife. I would die for my daughter. I would die for my son. I would knock them out of harm's way and I would take the oncoming car or whatever it was. I would die for them because I love them. But I don't know if I could die for a total stranger. I don't know that I could do that. You know what? God so loved you that He allowed His Son to die for you. Wow, what love. His Son took on the rage of and the fury of hell itself through the scourging and the beatings and the crucifixion being spit upon, disgraced, humiliated. He did that for you. That's love. Have you given your life to Him? Have you done that? Why don't you do that right now? Let me, let me help you pray. Why don't you pray something like this? Just say, dear God, I realize that I've sinned. And I'm living in the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh I know now that you love me and you died for me 
And right now, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me, O God. Save my soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Maybe you're here and you've already prayed that prayer some other time in your life. And you are a believer and you are a Christian. But you're not putting these practice, these, these steps into practice. And you're not walking in the favor of the Lord. And maybe you find yourself like the prodigal and you've gotten away from God. And you've decided to live for yourself instead of living for Jesus. And other things have taken priority in your life. And you've lost your joy because Jesus is not first any longer. And it's yourself. And maybe you just need to crucify your flesh today and ask God to forgive you rededicate recommit your life to the Lord return to your first love choose to fall in love with Jesus once again choose to get excited about your Bible study and get this guys emotion will always follow motion when you start doing it then it will start feeling good don't wait for the feelings to come Feelings are a side effect of what you're doing. You start with motion. The emotions will follow. But you got to start. you got to return to your first love. Why don't you pray a prayer, something like this, to God. Say, God, forgive me. I am your child. And I've not been living for you. I've not been walking in your favor. And I pray today that you'd forgive me. And restoring to me a right relationship and fellowship with you. Help me, God, to walk as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And to die out to self. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Father, whatever decisions have been made today, I pray, dear God, that you would bless those individuals. You'd speak to their hearts and their souls and give them the reassurance of their faith and their prayers that they've prayed and help them, Lord, to realize that all is well with their soul when they turn it over to you. Father, we commit this time of invitation and meditation to you and pray, dear God, that you would speak to the hearts of your people today, right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. May you receive all the honor and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.